because I'm going to be talking about the end of the world. That's what's going on. So I'm talking about the end of the world right now. As, I, as promised, when we get into Daniel, Daniel is more than just Sunday school stories about being in a lion's den in the fiery furnace. Daniel crosses the line. The book of Daniel crosses the line of uh, morality stories, faith stories. Uh, it's considered a history, so it's one of the histories. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's wisdom literature. And then it's like, boom, full-blown prophetic. And not just uh, prophetic messages for the, the, the Israelites in Babylon, the captives in Babylon, not just prophetic word for them. It is end-time prophecy stuff. It applies to us specifically today. And so, are you ready to hear about the end of the world? All right, it, okay. Uh, bear with me. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. And if you're not, if you're not uh, used to end-time prophecy stuff, some of this is going to be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, and I, I could have easily made this like drinking out of a, a fire hydrant today. And so I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I possibly can and just, um, you know, paint in broad strokes and so we can get an understanding of what in the world is going on. Uh, when you look at the news... All right, first of all, do I think that we're in end times? Mm, most likely. I think so. I think this is the very beginnings of it, for sure. So I know that we were closer, we're closer today than we were yesterday. Does that, does that work for you? Uh, like, but there, there's so much going on. There's so much chatter. There is so much uh, static, even within the prophetic communities. Like, we can't keep up with it. From all of the, you know, all of the things that are going on in world events to even um, things that are going on in the stars, the alignments, all the weird blood moons. And again, I could freak you out all day long with this stuff. And I, I guess, is it my, is it my, uh, is it my intent to scare everybody's pants off today? No, but I do want you to think, and I want you to be open-minded about uh, what the Bible says about the end times. And, you know, the, again, the question is, are we there? And I, 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 if I was a gambling man, I put some money on it. Okay. Uh, turn with me to, before we open up with uh, Daniel, uh, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. This is called the Olivet Discourse. And this is where Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's talking to the guys, okay? Uh, chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth. Not one stone will be left on the other. Uh, this I tell you the truth bit, that's also language that we see in Daniel. So he's at, Jesus is literally quoting Daniel right here. And, and all right, class, how many years uh, was Daniel before Jesus? You guys remember? Yeah, close. So Daniel's period, Daniel's lifetime was somewhere between 600 B.C. to 530-ish B.C. 
And we think that Daniel, he at least made it to his 80s. He could have been well into his 90s when Daniel passed. So this is a good, this is a good 500 years before Jesus? Who knows? Okay, anyway. Um, so he's quoting Daniel. I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left on the other. Every one will be thrown down. So he's, he, they're referencing the temple. They're referencing that very, the, the very center of, of where God dwelt, of all of our expression to our God. And the temple was central to their lifestyle. The, the temple was central to uh, their whole worldview. Like for us, we don't, we don't get this. Uh, because in our, in our culture, in our society, uh, the, well, with the New Covenant, we are the temple. Our bodies are the temple. But their whole life was built around this building. And Jesus is saying something very dramatic. He's saying, there's not going to be a stone left. This whole thing is going to be torn down. Uh, and it's a prophecy that came to pass, by the way. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. And they said, tell us. They said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of, ready for this, the end of the age. There's two ways that you can see the end of the age. You can see the end of the age or the end of times or the end of days. Armageddon, if you'd like. Uh, another way that you can see the end of the age is the end of a, of a, of a you know, like the uh, calendar season. So, anyway, but they're wanting to know when the end is going to happen. And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. Let me stop here real quick. Do you, is, have you guys seen this yet? Have you seen many coming in Jesus' name? I, I can name a few. Uh, if you are a baby boomer, you've seen quite a few, haven't you? You've seen, there was a whole um, uh, upheaval in cultic behavior where everybody was saying that they were Jesus. Uh, Charlie Manson said that he was Jesus at one time. So we had, we had bits and pieces of this. We've, we have a number of false prophets that have come in since the time of Jesus. You ready for this? Hang on to your seats. One of them, the big one, the big boy on the block is Islam. It's close, but it's nothing like what, what our, who our God is. It is a, it's a distortion of God the Father. Yes, they believe, in, they believe that Jesus was a prophet. They believe that Mary was special. But they don't believe in the divinity of Jesus, which is a deal breaker. Guess who else doesn't believe in the divinity of Jesus like, the way, like we do? This one's going to be even tough. Probably going to offend a lot of people today, but that's okay. The other people, the other group that we are very well familiar with that don't believe in the divinity of Jesus like we do is the Mormon church and the Jehovah's Witnesses. That this is, these are false prophets. I'm like, come on, Josh. Come on, Pastor. Let's be a little open-minded. Let's, let's, let's have the spirit of tolerance here. Like, you've heard this a million times, right? They are, finish the sentence for me. They are, what kind of people? They are good people, right? They are, too. I'm not going to argue that one. But unfortunately, they're deceived people. Because my Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the second member of the Trinity. He is the God-man. He is God incarnate. 
he is not the devil's brother, which Mormons believe. Okay? So there's, there's these, these different belief systems that pop up, and we got to be okay with our differences. Okay, I know that's, that's tough. All right. Um, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen till the end is to come. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be uh, famines on the earth, earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginnings of what? Birth pains. I think that this is what we are experiencing. Uh, we're not in, I mean, I think we are in the beginnings of birth pains. From uh, fires, we've had the major earthquakes. Uh, hurricanes are all, you know, we're out of that hurricane season, but it's probably going to pop back up again soon. Um, wars are going on all over the place, and there's rumors of wars going on. I know that there always have been, but things are escalating. Things are getting tenser as we, as we continue just to grow as, as humans. Uh, so these things are, these are definitely taking place. Uh, even within the prophetic community, um, there, was a, there was a prophet. His name is Kim Clement. He's now along, he's with the Lord. He's been with the Lord for years. But in detail, he prophesied what, was gonna, what happened in Santa Barbara. In detail. He said that there's going to be major fires in Santa Barbara, and following the fires, there's going to be a major flood, and it, it's going to rock the wealthiest of the people. Like, how does he know this stuff? I mean, who, who in their right mind would have thought that Montecito would have washed away? It, it's just, anyway. So these things are taking place. I think that they're birth pains. This is fun. Maybe I should tell some more jokes before I keep reading. Let me lighten the mood a little bit more. Are you guys okay? You guys okay? All right. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Okay, we're not experiencing this. We, have, we are living under an, a huge amount of God's grace in this country. But you need to know that our brothers and sisters in other countries are dying for their faith. Uh, here's the amazing thing. In China, there are probably more Christians than there are in America. There's all this buzz in the media about, you know, white evangelical Christianity is like, that's it. Like, it's the major force. And that's like a huge deception because majority of Christians that are actually wielding influence on the planet are coming from China, are coming from Africa, and coming from the South American countries. Like, those are, the, those are the players that the atheists should be afraid of. Because these are the ones that are completely sold out, and they are literally willing, and they are dying for their faith. There's more persecution towards Christians in China than there ever has been before. And it's been a communist country that's kind of shifting into this weird uh, capitalist country. I don't know how in the world you do capitalism and, and communism at the same time, but the Chinese have figured out how to do it. And yet, even though they are accepting some expression of faith, like they, they don't like, I hate to use this language, they don't like what the, the real Christians are doing. Because the real Christians 
are changing the culture in their communities. They're influencing family life. Not a good thing to be a girl when you're Chinese. It's just not. Most of them get aborted. Um, they got a one-kid system. And that one-kid system is producing a lot of really spoiled young Chinese boys. Uh, I'm not, I mean, this isn't, I'm, I'm just, I'm misstating the facts. I'm just, this is just what's going on. And Christian communities are going in and they're saying, no, um, we are all created in God's image and there is no difference between male and female. And this whole sexist thing that, that, that the communist culture has produced is not right and it's of the devil. And so this is what's being preached. And so those people are being persecuted because they are allowing women to step up into their rightful place in ministry. It's absolutely incredible. Okay. So we are, we are not being handed over, have handed over to be persecuted and put to death. It could happen, um, but our brothers and sisters are. We need to keep them in prayer. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, that might be true. How many people do you feel like you're hated just because of your faith? All right. See, there's some out there. It's in the air, right? Like there is a, there is a spirit in our own country that's coming against this, the, the declaration that I'm a Christian. Like, have you ever felt, like, awkward even staying that? Like, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those Christians. And you feel like you have to justify it, right? Okay, so this is, this is what's going on. You will be hated. It's just a fact. There is persecution. There's either low-grade persecution, which we face in our society, or there's this full-blown martyrdom that people face in other societies. At the time, many will turn away from the faith, and they will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Okay, are we seeing a turning away of the faith? The Pew Research is showing that there is a turning away of the faith in Christian circles. So there is basically uh, the growth of, the, of, of Christianity in America is flatlined. It's flat and maybe on a slow decline. Uh, and it, it, the, the numbers have sustained, but what we are losing is, is the millennial generation. We're losing uh, the, you know, the, the Zs and the Ys. I can't keep track of all of them. But what, what, what they say is going on is that, that they're looking at the Christian community, and they don't like it. Well, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I don't want to get into that right now. But there is a turning away of the faith. Do you see it? Do you know friends that were once plugged in, excited about their faith, excited about the church, and now they're nowhere to be found, right? And usually you get this response. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And I totally get that. And that's actually, that's the way to live. You want to live spiritually. You don't want to live religiously. But you do need to be in community. You need to be, you need to be attached to the church, any church, any church, what does it look like for you? It's, it's, uh, it's so vital. Anyway, uh, but we have seen that. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world 
as the testimony to all nations. Get ready for this. And the end will come. Like we are so close to getting the gospel into every tribe. We might have already done it by now. Dad, do we know? How many we got left? He doesn't know. <laughs> All right. No, we are, we are so close to every tribe, every language. Is, they've got the book. We're so close. It's kind of an interesting thing, right? Do we, act, do we really want to push it? It's like, all right, have you ever thought about that? It's like, well, there's this little tribe out in the middle of nowhere in Africa. Should we bring them the gospel? They're the last ones. Because what happens when the last person gets the gospel? It's on like Donkey Kong, folks. The end will come. I know, right? We'll just hold off on those folks. (laughs) You have to have an active imagination when you read this end time stuff. So anyway. All right. This one's fun. Verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel. All right? So Jesus is quoting Daniel. He's referencing Daniel right in in detail here. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roofs... Uh, let no one on the roof of his house go down to make any to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. So what in the world is Jesus saying? What is this? Again, scaring your pants off here. The abomination that causes desolation. And again, he's, ref- he's, he's quoting Daniel. What is it? We need to look at Daniel to figure it out. Oh, man. Okay, let's look real quick. Talking about Daniel. I haven't even got the Daniel yet. Okay, we're going to go at chapter 7. Daniel is... A lot like Joseph, God speaks to him in dream. God, God has, he, he trusts Daniel with the most important points of information, not only about what's going on in his time, not only what's going on in the future, but also what is going on at the end of time. So he gives him all this, and we're going to see a snapshot of this here in chapter 7. All right. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had dream, had a dream, and a vision passed through his mind as he was laying on the bed. And he wrote this down, the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision, I looked, and there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Uh, we, the great sea is the Mediterranean. Four great beasts, each different from the other, came out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And the second before me was a a second beast, which looked like a bear, and it was raised up on on its side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, 
it was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked up, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked up, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. I had, it had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims. It trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts. It had ten horns. And while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. The horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth and spoke boastfully. As I looked, there were set in its place the ancient... Okay, let me skip down to verse 11. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and thrown into the burning um, furnace. Verse 13. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was like the Son of Man coming with the clouds out of heaven. So this is Jesus. He approached the Ancient of Days, which is God, and he was led into his presence. He was given authority... Uh, glory and sovereign power. All people and all nations and all men of every language, they worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and his will will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will uh, never be destroyed. I, Daniel, this is kind of important here. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the visions that passed through my mind, they disturbed me. And I, I approached the one who's standing there and asked him, what is the true meaning of all this? And so he told me, and he gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts of the four kingdoms that will rise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and, and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and forever. I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, the monster, which was different from all the other beasts, the most terrifying with its iron teeth, bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left. I wanted to know about the ten horns on the head and the other that came up before it, which was three and then fell. The horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth and that spoke bofully. And I watched this horn and waging war against the saints, defeating them until the Ancient of Days uh, came and produced judgment in favor of them. So really, really weird dream, right? It's like, what in the world has he been eating at night? What does it mean? Now, one of the things I want to highlight, because this isn't necessarily Daniel's character, like this dream freaked him out. But this isn't his first dream. And what we've known about Daniel in this series is he is a cool character. Like there's nothing that really rattles him. Like he, he's almost, he, almost get, he almost dies by the, the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, yet he's not rattled. He gets thrown into a lion's den, and he doesn't freak out as far as we know. He's had other really intense, strange dreams, but they don't disturb him. This one does. It goes on to say that his, his face was just flushed white. Like he just like, ah, this is, I don't get it. This is really disturbing. Like I'm like almost scared. Um, it even says that the scroll was opened up for Daniel. And so he gets, he gets a glimpse of the end times with, with all this weird imagery, right? And it, it's freaking him out so much 
that God says, okay, you've had enough. Let's roll this thing up. Let's roll this seal, this, this scroll up and let's seal it up. And we're not going to open it up again until we show it to John. And so this level of revelation doesn't get opened up until John the Revelator in the book of Revelation. So Daniel had access to the mind of God on this. So what in the world do all these weird monsters mean? Highly symbolic, but they do play a purpose and they they play a part. Now, uh, I don't know if you remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel interpreted. It was this big statue guy. He had a gold head and then a silver body and bronze. And and so basically it's symbolic of what was going on at the time. The gold head was Babylon. Uh, The the chest was the Mede-Persian Empire, the two arms. Uh, The middle part was the Greek Empire. And then the last part was the Roman Empire. Uh, The Roman Empire split into two different empires, the the East and the West. And then the the Roman Empire had cleat of uh, iron mixed with clay. And we think that that was the Christian faith. So the Christianity, the, the earthiness of our faith got mixed in. And so we can actually make sense of that. And so they say, the Bible scholars say, well, this is just that again. But it's not, because this is talking about a different type of beast. It's talking about a different type of kingdom and expression and power. It is very similar to what Daniel uh, predicts that will happen up to the Roman Empire. But what they tell us in this is that this is concerning the end of days, the very end. And this is why we think that Daniel is so troubled in his spirit. He's so troubled in his mind that it actually makes him sick. So what is it? The first one is this lion, right, that has wings. What is it? Now, there is, I'll tell you who I like as far as these end-time prophecies. I like Perry Stone. I listen to him. He's good. Um, I like, oh gosh, who else do I like? Well, we can start. We'll just, I'll stay. I'll stay there. But there's all. If you want to research end time uh, uh, prophecy, people, there's something that you need to know about them. They're all a little weird. They're all a little strange, and that's okay. If you go in thinking that wow, this kind of this kind of guy's kind of strange, it's okay. Uh, here's here's the truth of it. If the Lord hadn't called these men to and women to study and to teach us end-time prophecy, the Lord hadn't called them, they would be setting up a tent of telepathy somewhere because they're spiritually wired. There's some of you that you are spiritually wired, like you just see things in the spirit. You know things are there. You, you maybe even have a glimpse of the future. Yet you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet. I want to encourage you to do so. Allow those gifts to flow through uh, the control of Jesus and your life will be completely transformed. So these people are spiritual people. They have an understanding of what the future is going to take place. Sometimes they're wrong and we got to be okay with them being wrong. At least they're taking a risk. But, okay, so if you want to delve into it, again, there's, there's a lot of different uh, aspects to this end time stuff. But here's an example. Some say that this lion, remember it had, uh, what, what kind of wings did it have? Eagle's wings. So one interpretation of this is that this power is the British Empire and us. Because what's our national animal? 
It's an eagle. It's not a turkey. Did you know that uh, Benjamin Franklin wanted to make our animal a turkey? <laughs> what a bright idea that was, right? Um, they say that the bear, Russia, definitely, uh, but also all the eastern empires. So he's got three ribs in his mouth. So, uh, and then in Russia, you know, if you know the, if you know your geography, it stretches across all the top of all the the, the Asian countries. It's it's ginormous. And so they say that that could be another one of the powers. Uh, the leopard could easily represent Africa, the, the continent of Africa, the whole thing. Other interpreters say that, and this is true, uh, that the leopard actually could represent the German Empire. So some have even equated, because uh, uh, Germany uses the leopard as their symbol. And we had major empires, obviously. We had two major world wars that the Germans started. I like Germans, by the way. But it puts it all into perspective. So they do translate. I, I, you know, again, there's a million different ways that we could interpret it. There's a million different ways that you can look at it. But the one that we need to look at today, hopefully I can spend enough time on it, is the last one. It is this, it's the beast that's not like any other beast. I mean, what Daniel is saying is, this beast is weird. I'm like, wait a minute, Daniel, are you kidding me? You have a lion that has wings, and that's not weird. You have a leopard that has four wings, that's not weird. You have a lion that stands up on its feet and has the heart of a man. You're telling me that's not weird? And Daniel's saying, no, this other one, this one's weird. This one is not of a natural creation. What kind of teeth does it have? What kind of claws does it have? This one is a beast. This one is a machine. If you do want to correlate it to the ancient world, it would look most like the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire functioned as a huge, giant machine, a well-oiled uh, not an organism, a well-oiled machine. And it conquered everything. And it was very systematic. And everything had a rule. Everything had a place. Ironically, our entire legal system is based off of Roman law. Did you know that? Our entire culture is based off of Roman law and Roman, Roman culture. It, it's a scary thing to think about. It's true with, it's true with most of uh, uh, the Western civilization. It's all based on Roman law. And what I believe, and then there's some of these other end-time guys that think this too, so it's some, I'm not just making this up on my own. But what I believe, and we, we hear this, we've heard this in, in, in chatter, is that there is going to take place, maybe in the near future, and, and, and again, we've heard this language of a big, giant country, a, a, a new world order, Right? Like, the very fact that there is a UN should cause us to pause and think about things. The very fact that, that Europe has united under one economy and they're sucking in other economies, and for the most part it's working, should cause us to pause and think about what in the world is going on. The, the conversations that are going on that says, you know what, we need to break down all the borders, all the barriers, and we all need to be, have one big, giant world order. That should, that should make us stop and think and maybe read this stuff. Because what that is saying is there will be a system. There will be a, there will be a, 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 a machine that's going to control everything. 
Do you think we're getting into that area right now? I think that you know the other you know the other beasts they're they're natural you know men coming up with some bright ideas and running their own countries. I think that that's what it is. But this next beast is going to be something completely different. Uh, there was a supercomputer that was built, I don't know, um, in the 80s, around that, that time. And they, like, they ironically called it the beast. And the more and more we allow technology, to, and the, I'm a big, I have an iPhone. I like technology. I have a lot of my payments automated. So that way I don't have to think about it, right? How many people, you just automate stuff. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I don't say there's nothing wrong with that. What Revelation, the book of Revelation, begins to describe as, as, as John has open vision of what is going on in the future. Like he's writing stuff down. It makes no sense to anybody. He actually sees in an open vision scorpions flying through the air and their stingers are blowing things up with lightning. What does that sound like? Sounds like some hel- uh, Apache helicopters, right? Or droids or anything like that. So he's getting, he's getting open vision of stuff. So what are we in the machine? Writers, authors have been talking about the concept of the machine for years. That we are subject to control and manipulation of the machine. The whole Lord of the Rings books is based off of that whole idea. Watch the movie again. The ring is the machine. It, the the whole the, the whole progression of oh, this is so tough because I like technology the whole progression of technologies to break us from nature how do you live in the world not of the world on this one I'm not quite sure but when it comes to its full end when it basically says you don't need nature anymore you don't need God to meet your needs all you need is the machine guess what then we take the mark of the beast. What, what's the mark of the beast? Revelation talks about it. You take a mark on the forehead or on your wrist, right? It's the number of the beast. What's the number of the beast? It's the number 666, right? What in the world is that? It is, it is an abnormal number. It is a machine number. It's a system. God's number is 777. The mark of the beast is 666. Okay, so are you going to get a tattoo with 666 across your head? Again, this is highly symbolic stuff. Of course you're not going to do that. But there may become a day when you go into the grocery store and you buy your food and have your eyeballs scanned. The technology is there. We have it. In fact, uh, there are people that are buying things right now with a chip that has been implanted into their hand. That technology is in place right now. If my dog gets lost, I can find it because I've got a computer chip in that guy. If the cats get lost, oh well. <laughs> she knows me too well. All right, so do you see where I'm going with this? I don't. I, I think that the 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 beast that Daniel's talking about. I believe that the beast that John talks about in Revelation is this worldwide system that tells us what to buy. Oh my gosh, how many people are like, you're, you're, you're Googling stuff and you're like, you know, no, you're, sh- you're shopping for umbrellas. You get your umbrella. 
and then a week later you're getting ads for umbrellas. That's terrifying. I have an Alexa in my house. See, I told you I like technology. I'm, war- I'm wondering about this thing. I have an Alexa in my house. And I walk into the kitchen and says, hey, Josh, you need some noodles? I'm like, what? Why are you... T- Wait, we- I wasn't searching for noodles. I was having a conversation about noodles with my wife in the kitchen. That's terrifying. I unplugged that sucker. <laughs> They're watching us, folks. I don't know. And I'm like, I don't want, my, my, I don't want to bring, you know, paranoia and fear. I, I just want to say awareness. Now, the one that we need to talk about, and I'll send you off with this nugget. Maybe we'll pick it up next week. I don't know. Is, so this beast had ten horns. Those are ten kingdoms of some sort. And again, all of the guys have got it all plugged in, right? Everybody's got their calculators out, and they've got their calendars out, and they've got their world systems figured out. So there's, there's some guy out there that's got all these ten things figured out. He's got all the three things figured out. But do you know what the, the little horn is that speaks boastfully and has the eyes of a man? Do you know what that symbolizes by chance? The Antichrist. Very good. So uh, Jesus talks about this Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, right? Remember I read that? He says, when the the Antichrist steps into the holy place and there is the abomination that causes desolation. It is the ultimate... uh, I don't know how to say this the right way. It's the ultimate disrespect to God. It's the ultimate mockery to to our spiritual lives. Uh... Daniel predicted that the whole Maccabean revolt that's not in our Bibles, but it's a huge part of Jewish tradition. It's where they get the whole Hanukkah concept, you know, burning the Hanukkah candles. It happens during the Maccabean revolts when the Greeks, uh, there's, this, there's this Greek ruler, there's a descendant of Alexander the Great, comes in. and this is, he, Daniel writes about this in detail, and it's hundreds of years before it even happened. That's why they think that Daniel wasn't written during this time. If they said it was written after the fact, because it's so detailed. Um, but Antiochus Epiphanes IV comes in, and he sacrifices uh, pig flesh on the altar of God in the Jewish temple. Like, that's all, like a really bad thing. So if you're a good Jewish boy and girl, you can't eat bacon cheeseburgers. Like, it's just not kosher. Have you ever heard that term, not kosher? And so one of the most offensive things that you could possibly do is sacrifice a pig in, in, the, in the temple of God. I mean, that was the abomination that causes desolation. And Jesus is saying it's going to happen again. This spirit of Antichrist that this guy did, pulled off and, you know, mocked God in front of everybody, it's going to happen again. And he says, and when it does, the end will be near. And so who is this Antichrist? The way that the scriptures are unfolding this in uh, uh, the, the man of lawlessness in Second Corinthians or Second Thessalonians, uh, Jesus calls him, you know, the, the Antichrist. And so uh, Revelation speaks of the Antichrist. If we parse both the Hebrew and the Greek, and if we look into the specific language of it, you ready for this? Hang on to your seats. The Antichrist is not of natural flesh. He is created. You ready for this? He is created by 
us. One of the key characteristics of the Antichrist is that he is going to, under this new world order, under this beast, under this machine, he fixes everything. Peace in the Middle East, he fixes it. Uh, border tension, he fixes it. Economic collapse, the, the, the Antichrist, he fixes it. And everybody falls for it. In fact, every nation, every tribe, every country, they like this guy and they vote for him. Now, does that seem weird to you? That the entire population of the world will fall in love with this Antichrist? Does that seem, it seems weird to me. Like, we can't even get along, you know, like, like politicians can't. No one likes a politician, right? So how is this, how is this possible? You ready for this? We created him. It is of my opinion that the Antichrist is not a dude in a suit. He is a created consciousness that we made to solve our problems. In other words, AI. Artificial intelligence. And we are so close. We already have AI. Like in my kitchen, Siri is like talking to me, right? We are so close to making a system that is self-aware. Culturally, we have been set up to accept it. Think about the Terminator, hmm? the movie Terminator. Remember that? Think about Battlestar Galactica. Think about Lost in Space. Like, we are, we have, we are being set up. R2-D2. Everybody loves R2-D2, right? I mean, the last movies... These things have a soul, right? Who made them? We did. I think that that's the Antichrist, folks. I think it's going to come in and it's like, wow, inside of this machine, inside of this system, this consciousness, this worldwide consciousness can actually make life a better place. Let's worship it. Yeah? Does that make sense? It does, doesn't it? That's what I think that it is. I could be wrong. All right, let's get the band to come up to the front. Now, after I've scared the pants off of you all, what's the whole purpose? What's the whole purpose? What's the purpose of end-time prophecy? What's the, what's the purpose of revelation? What's the purpose of Daniel in these visions, even though it disturbed him? Look, I think that this is it. This is your take-home for today. Some of these uh, modern prophets, they have been saying that our country has been living under uh, an expression of grace, of God's grace. If you're new to this stuff, uh, we are saved by grace, not by works. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. So we, hopefully we all understand salvation grace, but there's other dimensions, there's other facets to grace. Some of us are living and functioning under a grace that is literally saving us, that is literally, it's, it's, it's prospering us. Have you, have you guys felt this one yet? It's like, I don't know what's going on, but everything seems to be going smoothly right now. It's because you're inside of God's grace. Some of, like, the, the grace that God has poured out on you is actually affecting those that are around you. Like, sometimes your kids are the beneficiaries of God's grace on your life. Can I get an amen for that one? All right? Our country is the same way. Uh, was our country founded by godly men and women? Yes. 
Uh, but they also made deals with the devil. Not literally, but there was some dysfunction. There were some problems in our founding fathers. Washington, he wrote this amazing Thanksgiving Day prayer. I actually had it in my hand. I worked with it when I was in the museum industry. Uh, and yet he was a mason. Like, Jesus wasn't good enough, so he had to be a mason. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, you all know what he did. Like, Mr. Freedom here, and he had a bunch of slaves. So there, there's just this, there's the, there was this compromising that we've made in our country and it's a tradition that we have still carried out to this day uh, our, our money still says under God you know in God we trust yet we compromise with it all the time and so what the prophetic community is saying I don't necessarily know that I, I, I think I agree with it it resonates with me I'm not know, I don't know if it's true um, but what the prophetic community is saying with us unless we turn from our ways unless we repent and if God does not heal our land, that grace that we are living under is going to go away in this country. Regardless, what end times tells us is that you need to make a choice between light and dark. There is, and this is one of the hard things that we have to get as a culture, like it media and movies take care of this for us but the truth is there is a war between good and evil like we don't necessarily see it but there is a war there's a a war raging right now not only for your soul for your kids souls the soul of America the soul of this country everybody's soul There's there's a downright dirty spiritual warfare going on and we need to be aware of it and so what I'm saying is when this grace lifts off you have to make a choice like who is it you're going to serve you're going to be a child of light or you're going to be a child of the darkness and there's going to I think in the next coming season there's going to be some very hard decisions that are going to be have to be made like I said our brothers and sisters in China and Africa like they're literally dying for their faith. They're so sold out. They're so in love with Jesus that they're willing to give their lives for it. Um, is the next generation here, will they do it? Or are they, they too addicted to their phones to even notice what's going on in the world? Right? All right let me get the, the ushers to come to the front. So that's, that, that, that's the cap to it. So who are we going to serve? Who what, what is if our life counts for something is it does it count for what God has called us into are we so sucked into a system into a, a way of life that we wouldn't know if God was standing in the room can we sense his presence or has the machine sucked us in so much where we're just another cog in the machine God doesn't want us to be a cog We were meant to be organisms and not an organization. Did you stand and pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day. And I I pray that there will be hope that will seep in. God, I, I pray that we will just be aware of our surroundings. God, I pray that we will be aware of the schemes of the enemy. And let me just, let me just stop you right here too. In the area of warfare, there is, um, every, dysfunction that you have in your life every pain whether it's emotional pain or physical pain or relational pain 
every loss that you've faced, those all are schemes from the enemy of God to keep you from entering into his joy. So you want to know what the warfare looks like? It is this battlefield that we have inside our own souls. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you just do an incredible work in us. God, I pray that that you would heal the dysfunction that's in us. I pray that you heal our desire for more. God, I pray that you heal our, our sickness for materialism. God, I pray that you heal our our hearts from selfishness. And I pray that you give us the ability to see what Jesus did and to follow in his footsteps. And I pray you bless this offering in your name. Amen.